Welcome to the Salt City Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday night, September 18th. We are back for another episode. What's up, Clay? Let's get it. Yeah, Chase. Uh, big week for um, the good guys. And I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Glad you could join us. <laughs> We're also joined by somebody else. Um, our guest is actually a returning guest. Second time on the pod. First time we had, he was part of a duo. He got the callback. Yeah, no, he got the callback. Sorry to the other half that didn't get the callback. <laughs> just kidding. Um, He's this just guy, as important. Though. Just as important. <clears throat> this guy joins us uh, as our Utah insider, I dare say. He's given us the insights on the, on the Utes. Um, we've worked with him in the past. He's one of our good friends. Welcome to the program, Utah Stu. What's going on, guys? Happy to be here. Happy to be back. This is where I want to be, right here with my... Hombres, you're in, in the right in place. <laughs> Love to have it. it's it's Stu Goodman. Not, I mean Utah Stu at Utah Stu. You know, I was just trying to give your your handles a little shout out there. I love it. I I mean I get called a lot of things anyway <laughs> because Stewart's just a weird name. So mm-hmm. Utah Stu would be a, would be a great nickname. I think I love it. Well, um, <clears throat> I'm gonna get this out of the way. I'm a little under the weather, and uh, so if I'm <laughs> during the show and the uh, it's going to happen, all right? So just get used to it, sit back. You're talking about like more than usual. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it happens sometimes, but now I'm going to be trying to keep this, uh, this cold at bay. So, guys, we're going to do our peaks and valleys first. Then we're going to go over what we learned this last week, and then we're going to get right into our picks. And Clay's bangers. Love those. A little rough week last week. but Sometimes banging's good, sometimes banging's bad. Got to get back on the And then we got, a, we got a nice, very nice food review to end the show. So let's jump right in, fellas. Um, peaks and valleys. And my, I pretty much just told you at my valley already. I, I have what's known as the season change cold. And the season hasn't really changed yet, but my body's like, it's September, time to get sick. Bang, I get sick. And you know what's funny is like, you see those, you hear those people that like, they have kids and they're like, our whole family's sick. And I'm like, hmm, okay. No, it's a real thing. Our, our little girl got sick, like, last weekend. She's had runny nose, runny eyes, and we didn't think anything of it. When your kids are little and they can't tell you what's wrong, you just have time you blame it on teething, and you give them some Tylenol, it's mm-hmm. fine. And, but then this morning, me and Britt woke up super sick. I've got man cold 5,000. You got a duffy doze. My throat feels like I swallow a 1,000 swords every time I swallow. I got... Lemon cough drops on 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 uh, by the thousand here, so right by yeah. the mixer. Well, we, me and Stu are just so thankful you're here. Yep. In this really small room with no ventilation, so thanks for showing Rain up. Rain or shine, I, I am here. Yeah. I it's also appreciate day. you letting me know before I gave you an open mouth kiss, <laughs> which was coming. We did. We did have to forego that this time. Yeah. So, um, Stu, what about your valley? Man, my valley started at like. 8 p.m. this last Saturday and lasted until about 11.30. Really lasted all weekend, but it, would, it was sitting through the Utes. Abysmal performance on Saturday against the Washington Huskies. Was it, um, can I ask you something? Anything. <laughs> Truth or dare. Were you, uh, was this a game that you had 
prepared for mentally to maybe have the Utes lay an egg? Or were you going in saying, man, this is such a great spot for the Utes at home, but let's go out and beat Washington? It, I think it was kind of both. Like I, when I came up with what I thought the Utes would do on the season uh, record-wise, I think I penciled it in as a loss. But it was one of those 50-50 toss-up games, I think, at the back of my mind, knowing that it was going to be a blackout, it was going to be a great atmosphere. Utah always matches up well against Washington. Honestly, should have had them last year at Washington. I think we were all expecting a better performance being the third week of the season and the second year under Troy Taylor. Um, so, I don't know. It was It was both at the same time. And then the way the game played out as well, it was just kind of like... You only lose by a couple scores, and you turn the ball over, however many times, three or four or whatever. We'll they get had. into it. We're gonna dive, we're gonna do a deep dive on it. Yeah, I don't I don't hey, want to spoil I don't want to spoil deep. your segment. That was uh that was our valley last week. Yeah, it's just a gut punch. Except ours was at home to a really bad Cal team. So, well, <laughs> you know, um, I think the jury's still out on Cal. But. <laughs> Hopefully, they run the table. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll go next with my valley. Um, kind of a bummer. Ugh, I feel like it's kind of gross to bring this up, but um, our little Ellie girl, she is a border collie. She was the runt, um, so she's a lot smaller than like a normal border collie, but she is a purebred border collie. She turns 13 in like two weeks, mm. and um, that's kind of old, even for a border collie, and yeah. I'm just like just over the last six months, me and Jessica have seen some things that are bumming us out. Like she's starting to lose some strength, like in her legs. She loved to play fetch and stuff. And like, she's really, really slowing down. She'll like slip on the, we have tile upstairs. She'll like slip and she can't like, I don't know. It's a bummer. Father time is catching up. You know, in the back of your mind, you always know that day's coming, but like you put it off, you put it off. So, um, she's a fighter though. So I'm not counting her out yet. She's the sweetest dog you'll ever meet. So, um, but she's getting old and it sucks, you know. Mm-hmm. That's she's my good, valley. She's a good that's valley of sure. the week for me. Let's go. Uh, let's go climb the mountain then. So for me, the peak is probably pretty obvious. Um, but so BYU won, right? It was good. It was great. Um, but I had like the very rare sports weekend where BYU won. The Niners won, and I won all three of my fantasy games. Oh, wow. Which I know no one gives a shit about, but... No one cares about your fantasy team. Yeah, no one does. But the fact that everybody won, it's just a good feeling, you know? Especially after the bummer last week. To get the Niners their first win in a scary fashion. We'll talk about that a little later. Mm -hmm. And uh, BOU, obviously, to go and probably have a a top five to ten program win. Um, right now it seems that way. We don't know who Wisconsin is, who, how the rest of the year is going to go out. But And then, um, obviously, fantasy is just cherry on top. Ooh, and no survivor losses. So That's a clean sweep. Clean sweep for this guy. Feeling great. Can't complain. I'm just sick. So. Things are looking up. Yeah. Only one way to go <laughs> from here. Yep, only one way to go. Yeah. And I, and I, but yeah, in order to go down, you have to be at the top. So, yeah, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Stu? Um my peak was after sitting through that abysmal Ute game, rolling up to a Taco Bell at 12.30 a.m. and discovering something called a double-decker Crunchwrap Supreme. Oh, okay. yes. You have my attention. And I, I've seen the commercial. 
I need found to my people down. there because we had to wait in line for about a half an hour in the drive-through because the drive-through was backed up all the way through the parking lot. Um, so it was good. Just camaraderie through food. Even though we didn't wave or talk to any of these other people in the car, you just knew what they were there Everybody for. Everybody was there doing the same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So Night Crunchwrap Supreme, the double decker, it's blissful. Ooh. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Because I've been staring at it on the commercial and it looks fantastic. Yeah. I'm a big Taco Bell guy. So am I. And, and as I know one else in my in my in-laws up in Nogdenar, they all hate it. They call it Taco Hell. Oh, Creative. I give that's them all their money. Be. But that's where I want to be too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that place. Um, most underrated, I'll give this out to listeners, most underrated item on Taco Bell's menu no one talks about. I know it. The Maxi Melt. Maxi Melt. He's been getting it since he was like 10. Solid, dude. <laughs> a little bit of ground beef with with like the horse in it or whatever they put in it. Yeah. And then a little bit of pico and cheese and then they roll it up and they it comes out like super hot so it's like melty and delicious but it's just a little mini burrito. It's like a buck. Buck 19 or something. There was a, a guy I saw in it? the news <laughs> that ate like his 50,000th um, Big Mac and they did this big story on him. Little do they know old Terrence Carter over here has already eaten 50,000 Mexi Melts. By yeah. age 32. Where's, where's Fox 13 showing <laughs> yeah. up at my doorstep? Yeah. Nobody told them. Nobody told them. So, um, gosh, now I'm hungry for Taco Bell. I'll go with my peak. A uh, little sports related. Um, Vontae Davis pulled one of the biggest power moves I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I don't know the timing of all of it. If you don't, if, if you don't know, Vontae Davis is a cornerback for the Buffalo Bills who are going to be the worst team in the league this year. Um, they've been blown out two weeks in a row. And in the middle of this last week's game at halftime, he informed the starting linebacker on the Bills that he is, in fact, retiring. And uh, he meant right then at halftime. Like, he wasn't going to go back out for the third quarter. He then had a tweet that he sent out that was a mo- it was a full-on letter, like someone would put in the newspaper, you know, like thanking the city for whatever someone and uh so it it was premeditated but why not just do it before the game or after the game right at halftime seems bizarre to me but with that said my peak is actually that Vontae Davis this is only the second favorite thing of his that he or of mine that he's ever done he was on hard knocks yes the Miami Dolphins three or four years ago when hard knocks uh when the Dolphins were on hard knocks and in camp, they pulled him in. Coach Philbin, who was the worst coach on Hard Knocks history, pulled in Vontae Davis into his office before, uh, like I said, this was during camp, and he actually informed him, he was going to sit him down and inform him that he had been traded. And the viewer knew that he was being traded before, like, Vontae Davis did, so they were like, hey, we're going to trade. He's on the phone with, like, the GM, like, hey, we got a deal to send Vontae, you know, to the Bills. They bring him in, they sit him down, and it's just like the suspense is killing you because you know what's going to happen. And Coach Philbin's like, well, you know, I appreciate you working hard and what you've done for this team, and, you know, you mean a lot. I know you're going to really land on your feet, but we'd like to let you know that we've made a trade to send you to the Buffalo Bills. And the first thing out of Vontae Davis's mouth is, I got to call my grandma. And I was like, What? That's your first thing? Not yeah. not like, he looked like he was going to cry. He stands up. Yeah. He goes, I got to call my grandma. He, he stands up. He looks like he's going to cry, and he says, I need to call my grandma. 
and it was the sweetest thing I've ever said so or ever seen. And so that's my favorite Vontae Davis moment. Retiring at halftime somehow is number two on my power list. I actually hate to be this guy, but it was when he was traded to the Colts. That's right. He went to He's the bounced then, around. Then after, I think, ended up on the... At one point... On the Bills. Probably a top five corner in the league. Yeah. Like, really, really good. But he's a little long in the tooth now. I think he was in his ninth or tenth year. So... Um, Is he the brother or cousin of Vernon? Yes. they related to Vernon Davis, right? They are related. Yep. So, hmm. interesting. Interesting guy. That's for sure. <laughs> nothing. Steve's got nothing on that. <laughs> I was flabbergasted by it myself. The best is when, the, like, the after the game, when it was that linebacker coming out. Yeah. <laughs> out I was talking to the media. But then also the reports of uh, whoever the QB was. Who were they playing? The Chargers? Josh Allen. Oh, Philip Rivers? Yeah. Philip Rivers coming in and telling everybody after the end, like, he just retired. <laughs> he said he was done. <laughs> you whatever. know, the fallout from so it was incredible. very entertaining. My quick sure. take on it, like, there's a bunch of, bunch of jokes and stuff, and. I guess, like, once you know you're done, you're done. It usually doesn't come in the middle of a game. Doesn't look good. But he does have $5 million guaranteed. Um, he did get a signing bonus. I was listening to Mike Florio from ProFootballTalk.com um, saying that they'll probably get a partial refund on that. But he will get the $5 million that was guaranteed. For your teammates' sake, go run around for another 30 minutes. Like oh yeah, like finish the game out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that linebacker wasn't very happy with or fake an injury. Is that better? Well, better than retiring, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The best joke it's I heard debatable. was he he told his wife that they were going to go to lunch that day. She yeah. goes, "Baby, have a game." He goes, "It'll be a late lunch." It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Incredible. All right, so let's get into what else we learned this week. Um, first off, not to toot, toot the horn again the horn of Angel Moroni, but um, BYU isn't who <laughs> who we thought they were. Again, on the road at Wisconsin, pull a win out of nothing. Just insane. Tanner yeah. throws for 89 yards. We don't get a defensive touchdown. We get a halfback pass touchdown, which is a little, like, obviously a gimmick. You, you need something like that to beat a team like Wisconsin on the road. Tanner throws for 89 yards. Squally, like, we, we come out and just punch them in the mouth. Like, we yeah. run the ball down their throat. It made absolutely no sense. Um, we were 23-and-a-half-point dogs. Yes. I think that's honestly, for me, what was most impressive about watching that game was BYU came out and basically was like, we know what Wisconsin likes to do. We're going to show them how it's done. And basically flipped the script on them and did, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Did Sataki, what Wisconsin usually does to, to their teams. Um or excuse me, shiitake, according to Mac Brown, who thinks it's Kalani shiitake. He thinks a freaking mushroom coaches BYU's football team. But um, anyway. That's what happens when you leave BYU games early to catch right. your plane. He doesn't know what's going on. Going. He came, uh, so Kalani came out and said, hey, we, uh, he, he mentioned it at halftime or after the game that um, our O-line weighed like 270 last year. And this year, the average weight is 305. And so that was like their whole gait and trade. Yeah, like in the in camp and, and uh, in the spring, like, hey, we want our offensive linemen to be a lot bigger than they were last year. And it paid dividends, like, immediately in this Wisconsin game because Squally shouldn't have been able to run like that, and he was just having a day. Yeah. So. He, it was weird because the last couple times we played Wisconsin, it's like we usually – 
well, obviously last year was just an embarrassment, but we usually would like stand up with them a little bit and fight. And then by the third quarter, they would just pull away and win by 17 points, something or 10 points, but it was a very convincingly way to win. Mm-hmm. So it was weird to see us like, yeah, go toe to toe with them and actually compete and then win in the trenches. Cause that's just what you don't expect to happen with them. You just don't. So really kind of an odd, um, feeling for, for us after we thought the sky was falling after losing at Cal at home. Now Tanner and, keeps the job. Um, you can't, you can't do anything now. He's mm, become a game. Know. He's a be- hefo. Almost has as many touchdown passes as Tanner. He's coming. He's become a game manager. <laughs> you, just need a, you just need a guy that can hand the ball off. I know. I think my favorite stat in this game at one point, Tanner was five for five for eleven yards. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so that's so hard to do. It's impressive, huh? That's so hard to do. <laughs> it's like ultimate game manager, five for five for eleven yards. Like, oh man, that's and we take one shot downfield every game, and it's always dropped. Yeah, the the tight end that dropped it at the one. Um, Chase, the other thing I learned this week in in relation to that game, college football has a problem with injury reports. College coaches don't have to disclose anything. And me and you were sitting down to watch the game. Ten minutes before the game, we find out Butch isn't playing. Um, we find out who else sat out. El Bakri. El Bakri. Mm-hmm. And... Um, from a gambler's angle, this is a nightmare. Like half the time, these teams you don't know who's playing until kickoff. Is that they, is that lo- rule just because of the amateurism is of NCAA or? I guess that's what they always gambling? hide. Yeah, that's what they always hide behind. But but come on, like we know that only when it fits their agenda, right? They can pull the amateurism yeah. like student angle. Athletes, but uh, student comes think first. about the gamblers out there trying to you know trying yeah. to make a living. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, that's what I learned from from that game. Um, Chase, what about Coach O? Did you guys learn anything about LSU? Well, uh, Coach O. Oh wow! <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> but Coach did. O just eats his. <laughs> <laughs> he he had he had a big old uh, bowl of gumbo this weekend, and that gumbo was flavored like Auburn. <laughs> oh yeah. Flavored like War Eagle. Yeah, I love it. Um, LSU's for real? Question mark. LSU might be a good team. Coach O might be a good team. They have not going to beat Alabama. They but. don't have a good quarterback. He's a game manager too. He didn't play very well. But the problem, but the difference is, they have five star recruits on their defensive line, offensive line, mm-hmm. and at most positions. So like, you can actually win with a game manager when everyone else around you is loaded. Look what Jalen Hurts did. Um, Well, you could honestly make this weird argument that um, BOU could be like a pseudo poor man's LSU. I would say homeless man's LSU. Yeah, because of, I mean, we got their (laughs) offensive line coach. That's the style he likes, right? Um, But we're not going to get them them boys they have on the the lines down there. But it it does seem like a similar style. We don't have Darius Geis back there. Yeah. I think that's the funniest thing with game managers, especially when you look at these SEC teams or even the NFL. It's like, realistically, a game managing QB isn't a bad thing to have. To me, I, when I hear game manager, I think, okay, they're accurate at the short to mid mid routes. They're not going to take chances, and they might struggle on the, on a deep pass, right? But when you're playing a just smash-mouth smash style of football, 
you really don't need much else out of your quarterback. If you if you know your defense is going to be able to keep the other team from having any sort of explosive plays, it takes away their gunslinging quarterback or whatever fantastic thing you have. And honestly, Utah has kind of had that style hit here and there. They've they've done that similar. They should probably do it more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Though, like <laughs> they haven't had super flashy quarterbacks. No, they've just had guys that don't make mistakes and they can make a few throws a game they need to. And yeah. it's worked out for him. Yeah. yeah. Jordan Wynn with his little baby arm. Um, <laughs> nothing. Travis Wilson with no, his Jordan, long, with his long Jordan steps. Wynn actually had a decent arm until he like he injured his shoulder that one year in spring in the spring game and it was never the same. Yeah. But yeah, smart player. But after that all his balls just kind of floated. Yeah. Sounds anyway. like a personal problem. <laughs> um, so what else did we learn, Chase? I've got a list of a lot of things here. One thing I learned, I get to watch the same team on Saturday that I get to watch on Sunday. Game manager QB, jet sweeps out the yin-yang, really good defense, no offense. The Bears and the and the Cougars are the same freaking team. Oh, I didn't see it, it, who's Khalil Mack on BYU. Um, <laughs> who's the big black dude that's dominant? <laughs> oh, yeah. Butch. One of the one of the Kafusis. Who you say that's it? <laughs> no, dude, it's crazy. Like we, they run jet sweeps like almost as many yeah. as BYU. It's insane. That was it. That's all I learned oh, okay. about that. Cool. <laughs> That's credit. Um, I was gonna say a few more things we learned this week. Josh Gordon's probably gonna get a Super Bowl ring, released by the Browns, traded to the Patriots. So congrats, you going from Cleveland to Boston. It's not he's already used. Move. He's used to hitting those Super Bowls already. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Nice grab. Thank nice you. grab. Thank you. I want to say I was just low-hanging fruit, but that like that came out of nowhere. It was good. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. Do you think Cleveland looks back and regrets not signing Des Bryant? Yeah. I think they do. Because Josh Gordon had such that such a great first game, and when he came in in preseason, he made like an immediate um, impact. I know because I watched Hard Knocks, so no. I can't tell. But <laughs> I don't know. I think there's something up with Dez. But if apparently no Dez wanted a lot of money, too. Yeah. If no one signed so. him, there's something going on. I mean, he's 30 now, right? Yeah. He doesn't run good routes. He doesn't want to play in the slot. I don't, I don't know. I'd stay away from Dez if I was uh, anybody. He only, wants to be the, he only wants to be the ex. So we'll see where he lands if he does land anywhere. Um, let's see. Pat Mahomes, Clay, your boy. Gosh, wasn't wasn't a week one fluke. He's a freaking killer. Holy cow. He looks good. He just that dude, they they just run there was a there was a series against the the Steelers where they, they just run four skinny routes, four skinny posts with their receivers and Travis Kelsey. They go three wide with Kelsey at tight end. Four skinny posts and they're like thirty yards out. Isn't that just the bomb from Blitz? Yes. And he just he he can get it there so quick. The ball comes out so quick, and it's on the receiver before any of the safeties can even see where the ball is going. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got a freaking fastball. He's smart. Um, I have a crush on Pat Mahomes. He's got it's that confidence of youth. Yeah. I feel like you see that so often in sports where it's like you see these players come out, they get their opportunity, and it's like they don't know that they should be playing worse. Yeah. And then – Sometimes they falter and sometimes they just are still the man. But yeah, he's a, right now he's the man for sure. Yeah, he, I mean, <clears throat> you know, there was only one game, uh, one game last year that he played in at the end of the year. So there's not a tape on him yet. Um, 
And in the NFL, defensive coordinators, once they have tape on you, then we'll see what you're made of. But yeah. for Jimmy, now, Jimmy G. he just looks exactly. But for now, he just looks like he actually is just more talented than these other guys. Like so the ball say, comes out so quick. It's different if he's like a, a gimmicky style of quarterback, but he's he's beating teams with his arm, yeah. which is what's most impressive at, at you know that this early in your career. Anyways, I think in the NFL. Yeah, he. I guess it's a pretty good stat if you have more TDs than incompletions on the day. Yeah. That's what he had on Sunday. He had three touchdown passes and one incompletion at one point. I mean, in the NFL, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, the Chiefs are going to be fun to watch. They're going to be in shootouts all year. Their defense is really bad. Plus, I think it actually hurts their defense that they score so quickly. Um, the other team has the ball a lot. Yeah. And so it wears down the Chiefs, and they already have kind of a, a bad secondary. So shootouts, um, they'll be on red zone a lot this year. I'm looking forward to that. So, Chase – the Packers-Vikings game, it was a scoregami game, 29-29. Never happened before in the NFL, that final wow. score. Really? Yeah, you can find out more about that on Weird Sports Scores on Twitter, <laughs> at Weird Sports Scores. Um, scoregami games <laughs> are <laughs> stupid. Oh, do you know, do you know the who runs that account? No, but he <laughs> seems like a badass. <laughs> so 29-29's never happened. Um <laughs> In the NFL, which I thought was kind of cool. So <laughs> Packers, Vikings, Scorigami. Prime number. Yes. Two of them. Uh, the other thing is, as good as Mahomes has been, and he looks great, fits magic, dude. He yeah. looks really good. Yeah. We have an official... He also has been playing well as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have an official quarterback controversy in Tampa. If he beats the Steelers... This weekend, which you'll find out later, I think he does. He'll be three and zero. They can't give Jameis that job back Mm-mm. when he's three and zero and he's dropped thirty five a game. It's, it's just like impossible. Case Keenum last year. You just you got to roll. Now he's got the players behind him. Oh, Deshaun players Jackson are saying stuff him. to the media. It, they can't. There's no way, especially if the last year how big of a dumpster fire they were with Jameis. Like, I think the job's his. I think but, even if he loses and if it's close, they'll keep it. They'll keep it with him. He is a roller coaster, though. Yeah. We, we've seen this before. Seen we might, I hate to be that guy, but we might have a four pick game coming soon. Um, he can light it on fire and he can burn it down <laughs> all at the same time. That's Big Ben did it, has done it this season so far. That first game was a freaking train wreck for him. Ben looks washed to me. This last, this last week, he had a pretty good week, though. Yeah, but that was Kansas City secondary. It's true. And they were down a lot. He was just winging it. Um, let's talk about what we learned about the Utes, Stu. This is going to sound so crazy, especially when you've heard the war drums sounding by Ute fans about how Witt needs to stay out of the offense for so long. In retrospect, I think his problem is that he's stayed out of the offense for so long outside of hiring a coordinator. I think it's time for him to get involved in the offense. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird thing um, where, I mean, it's just the same old story, right? Like, they're they're dominant. You guys might have the best special teams in the country. Ooh. No? That's actually the second thing I've learned this week, and I actually learned it in week one and two as well, but Utah special teams has, Bad. has fallen off. Well, Com- I mean, compared to years past. Dude, last year, they both won the, <clears throat> their awards. 
right? Yeah, this year they haven't looked so great. Okay, so this year they've dropped off a little bit. Cause yeah, f- I mean, Wisniewski, I mean, he had the he had one fake punt where he I, he wasn't even intending to fake it. It was just kind of a wonky snap, and they they were on top of him pretty quick, so he was able to run it for a first down. But I think his punting average is down below what it's been the past couple of years. And then um, our kicker, Gay, he, he missed a field goal, I think. I can't remember if it was the first game or the second game. Northern Maybe they, I think they're actually both blocked. He missed. He got had blocked field goal in the first and the second, and he missed a field goal like wide right against Northern Illinois. So all of that, and then in addition, Washington was the first time we really saw Britton Covey actually returning any punts, and all of those I think happened because Washington. I'm not sure if they just have a bad punter or if they saw the mishaps that Utah has had in the past couple of weeks, but it looked like the punter was legitimately just kicking line drives, hoping to hit the back of a Utah player. Yeah, it and, did look And like I that. think he actually did in one of the plays. Um, so the ball's coming, kind of rolling bounce to Britain, who's able to just kind of track it down and pick it up on the run. So he had some decent returns this, this week, but um, previous to Washington... He basically is fair catching every single thing because the other team was right on top of him. So the, they're not blocking the running lanes well um, on special teams. The other team's gunners are just right on top of him. So yeah. anyway, sorry, long-winded about special teams. No, no, I that's I mean that's maybe they've dropped for. off this year. <laughs> maybe the, you know we've seen three games now. They probably have dropped off, but through last year, you know, <laughs> for like three years they had one of the top. Special yeah. team units in the country. I and think that's absolutely. why it's been so surprising for for these first three weeks to not really see much happening. Britain, like I said, this in this Washington game, Britain Covey's had a few um, punt returns that have gone pretty well, but that's like the first we've seen of it this year. So, so with the with the offense, um, I don't know. Do you do you have solutions for for Wit? Like, what do you think? You think he needs to step in more than? Yeah. So going back and looking through it, and also just in talking to some people, to me it sounds like Wit legitimately hasn't been sticking his fingers in the offense as much as everybody thought, outside of just telling the offense not to turn the ball over. Um, I think Wit at the end of the day is a numbers guy. Like, I think he legitimately looks at stats and looks at sees what other teams are doing and thinks, well, if we want to be as successful as XYZ, we need to be doing XYZ better. Um, I think we saw it last year. So under Troy Taylor, the offense obviously changed a bit. We saw, especially in the first half of the season, they were just airing the ball out a lot where we have a potential NFL running back in, in Zach Moss, and he's getting, like, 11, 12 carries a game, which is just ridiculous because he's averaging over five yards a carry. Um, so last year, after the Arizona State loss, a, a loss to a bad Arizona State team, I, in my opinion, um, word on the street is that Witt went to t- Taylor and said, okay, we're switching things up and you're running more power run. You can do spread sets if you want, but we're doing power run for at least 50% of our handoffs or whatever. Um, so you saw it do that, and I think Moss ended up getting over a thousand yards rushing to end the season, and it was good. And we didn't, um, and they still kind of had their typical struggle that they have in November every year. But the offense in general looked a little bit better, a little looked a little bit more settled. And so for the first three games of this year, I think we see that same offense that we saw at the beginning of last year, where it's supposedly a tempo offense that runs on the spread. 
and maybe one of you guys can explain this to me. I don't understand how you run a tempo offense where you swap out like players and sets almost every single snap. Right. So you get you get the ball, the the ref puts it down. You don't really see the players running up to the ball, but when they get up to the ball, they'll look over for the call and then all of a sudden you'll see two new receivers run on, two new receivers have to run off. So there's no momentum to it. It looks disjointed, it feels disjointed. You see drives stall out. For those that also allows reasons. the defense to sub too. Exactly. So. So you're. Yeah, I don't know. I think you see great teams with a, with a good tempo offense. And I, as I was looking through offensive numbers, I was looking at Oregon the year they went to the. Uh, the championship with Marcus Mariota, right? And you'd see them after after a big gain, their team was back up on the ball and snapping it before the defense even had a chance to completely set. And it's like, obviously Mariota is an NFL caliber quarterback. But whatever it was, they had set plays that they would run at the end of a first down or at the end of a big gain or whatever to keep the defense consistently, you know, on their heels, basically. And the offense, um, the offense we see at Utah this year is doing the exact opposite of it. So it's, yeah. an, it's an interesting conundrum. Um, I, I, I've personally have never really been a huge fan of the spread, especially considering the type of athletes that Utah recruits in terms of what their natural recruiting base is. It's very similar to BYU. You're going to get large Polynesian, you know, road graders on the on the line. To me, that says, yeah, set up for a, for a power run or a pro-style set where when you're running, it's power run, and when you're, when you're passing the ball, it's all based off of a play action or a fake handoff, and that sets up, you know, lots of other things. I think my ideal offense that you'd see – is, is something sim- more similar to what um, Kellen Moore was running up at Boise State under under Peterson. Uh, honestly, similar to what you see running at Washington now as well. Right. A lot more pro-style sets, a lot more play action. It just makes makes a lot more sense, I think, in, in terms of what they are. But Witt seems to be very tied to and obsessed with a spread-style offense. I'm not sure why that is. I don't know if Urban Meyer got in his head all those years ago. <laughs> Right. <laughs> or if the 2004 Utah Utes are still what Woodingham sees as like the apex of what Utah offense should look like. But I think it's hard. I think you see these teams all over college football that are putting up 35 a game. And you think, well, how can we be like that? And I think the first answer is spread but or tempo, right? But like you said, like in reality, if you don't have the, the pieces to that puzzle – it's hard to get there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's – and maybe what it comes down to – and BYU has gone through this for the last couple of years is just that identity crisis. Like, who are we on offense? Yeah. This is the first year, I think, where BYU finally has an identity. I don't even know if Tanner is the right guy for the, the quarterback, but he's kind of had to mold into what he is now because um, we thought he was just this gunslinging, spread offense type dude, and that didn't go very well. Well, Huntley's Huntley's a spread guy, don't you think? That's I don't wrong. know. I've I, honestly, this has been like one of those existential crises. I think as I've been trying to break down Utah's offense and who they actually have. I think for a spread to be effective, obviously the the chance of a dual threat is a plus, where the QB can run and make things happen with his legs, which Huntley does it does do well. He's he escapes pressure pretty decent. He makes decent throws on the run most of the time. The problem is, though, is when he's in the pocket, he's not accurate. Anything past 10 yards, yes, he's not throwing off his front foot. He's sailing stuff all over the place. He's getting his receivers laid out. 
I'm like Britton Covey, I thought was going to die halfway through the game. I, th- I thought for sure he'd pop up with like a lacerated spleen or something. That guy's such a baller. He, he was just some, he taking took some an shots. absolute yeah. beating. Yeah. No one played harder than that guy. So what would you say? Because you guys don't have uh, outside of Covey, I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't feel like you guys have good receivers. Um. So the, what? What part of what makes Covey so special? I think is he runs very crisp routes. Utah has some talented receivers, but you see them give up on routes, and you see them not run the crispest routes too. And when they do get open, they drop their pat, the, the balls. So, yeah, Utah Utah receivers have struggled quite a bit this year. I don't know why. That's tight end, or was it maybe a fullback dropped the touchdown? Obviously, to go down. Yeah, and that was seven. another. See, that was another interesting thing. I don't know how that personnel set ended up on the field because that tight end they threw to was like. I don't know, was it fourth down? Maybe it was fourth and one, like on the two-yard line or something. But that tight end, I think, is a walk-on. In the past two weeks, we've seen Cole Fotheringham out there and, and Jake Jackson um, and a couple other, you know, these these scholarship tight ends that have been nails all game. So do you think, um, I mean, obviously there's some play-calling issues going on. We we see that at BYU. I, I'm screaming about play-calling all the time. But... Um, do you think is there someone behind Huntley that might be better? And at what point would they move to someone else? Like if the Utes start one and four, one and five. Well, they've already two, got two, two games. Oh, they're two and one. Oh. <laughs> um, let's say the if Utes they start, start one two and five. And five that would be a miraculous. <laughs> two and five. Um, who did they beat? Weber. They beat Weber, Weber and NIU. Yeah, I don't really count Weber. So one and one. Hey, I would say. You're talking to season oh, ticket sorry. holder here. Wow. Um, for let's forget th- this is all schematics. Um, <laughs> let's say he struggles. Let's say he struggles and you guys are like, you want to get all of a sudden, like the, I'm not going, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I'll say all of a sudden the bowl game is now in question. Like, do they move to someone else? Is there someone in the wing that might be better? Um, or is no one ready? I don't know. I mean, according to everybody that saw, what was available to see at fall camp, Huntley was head and shoulders above the other two quarterbacks. So behind Huntley right now, they have Jason Shelley, who was a QB out of Texas. I, th- I think they may have won the 5A state championships, maybe the 6A, I don't know. It's a big school, Frisco down there. Um, he looked like a baller out of high school. Honestly, a lot of, a lot of people were wanting to move to um, Receiver just because he's super athletic, which I think we saw against Weber State. He came in for a couple plays and he had one where he scrambled for like 20 or 30 yards or something. Super fast, super athletic, very elusive. He actually looks like a better runner than Huntley. Um, he's lucky if he's breaking 5'10, though. Oh, really? Like on the field, he just looks, he looks small, short. He, he looks like he's got some muscles, but he's, he's just a small dude. Yeah. Which. I you know I mean is is he the next Doug Flutie though I don't know right I, I I would hope that the coaches would see that type of talent if that's if that's the talent he had but and then Jack Tuttle I mean he's he's obviously a heralded recruit coming out of high school um, I think if he were ready he would have been named the number two guy which he wasn't so obviously he's still lacking something so I don't know I I think part of it just comes down to the offense that Troy Taylor's wanting to or trying to run versus what makes the most sense for a Utah offense. I, I think I look at Stanford or even USC 
you know, these let's try to run more pro style. Let's find an offensive coordinator that could do that, in my opinion, or have Troy Taylor figure it out. But even the Troy Taylor hire to me was a little interesting as I look back on it because there was a connection there. I think Fred Whittingham's kids went to the same high school that Troy Taylor was coaching at before he went up to Eastern Washington. Um, so the Utes snag him out of Eastern Washington, and then after the Utes hire Troy Taylor, all of a sudden the Eastern Washington head coach, whose offense Troy Taylor was running at Eastern Washington, becomes Cal's OC. So I'm like, if you liked Eastern Washington's offense, obviously their head coach was interested in becoming an offensive coordinator at the D1 level. Why didn't you get the head coach? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's tough. I was looking through the numbers, though, just out of curiosity in terms of what Utah's offense has looked like since they've joined the Pac-12 versus what the Pac-12 championship or champions have done going back to 2012. So most years, um, at least leading up to the last year that uh, Aaron Roderick and Harding were offensive coordinators, before that they were generally under 400 yards of offense a game. Um, Aaron Roderick's last season... Was actually, they actually had a decent offense. They're at four, 430 yards a game. Their defense is holding other teams to 383. So not a big discrepancy there. Um, but they were only putting up 29 points a game. And I think in that in large part was because of red zone offense sucked. And then they also were averaging about two turnovers a game, which wasn't great with Travis Wilson. Um, the average for the Pac-12 championships or Pac-12 champions – they're averaging about 450 yards a game on offense, and their defenses are holding teams to 360, but they're scoring on average about 36 points a game and keeping the, the turnovers down to about one. Huh. So I don't know what all that means. Obviously, I think, though... <laughs> but you did the research. Yeah, I did the research. I think that's part of the reason why Witt has had so much turnover at offensive coordinators because he's looking at what passed... Pac-12 champions have done, mm. seeing seeing what they're at, seeing saying, well, stuff. we obviously need to produce yeah. more on offense. But the years that they've produced, similar to what a Pac-12 champion team has produced, they just tur- are turning over the ball way too much, and then they're not capitalizing on scoring opportunities. So, I feel like they don't need like some super high-powered offense. Um, and you probably hit the nail on the head early on when you started talking about they just need to get Moss 25 carries a game. Yeah. Slow the game down, play defense. I know it's not sexy. Tell tell uh, Troy um, or Huntley to not turn the ball over. And if they need some pointers, just look down south. Um, BYU seems to be doing that pretty well. Yeah. They just went on the road, beat, uh, you know, number six team in the country by you know, managing the clock and playing some defense. So <laughs> No, I mean, to your point, uh, so Stanford's won the Pac-12 championship th- like three years out of the last eight or whatever. So they're the most consistently winning the Pac-12 championship, and their offense is putting up on average right around 400. It's just their defense is, is elite, and they're keeping defenses down around 340. Um, but they're able to score – at a, at a little bit better. I think their their average scoring over those three championship seasons has been, just quick math, about 33 points a game. You just got to get Zach Moss the ball. Yeah. 
like turn it into the Moss show. Yeah. And then, like you said, maybe some play action off that and throw some bombs. It seemed like they used to do that with, with uh, Booker and Williams. Yeah. Um, but they're not, it seems like Moss just isn't getting that the same, same fair shake to shine. No, and I, I think it's because of the new offensive coordinator. Or, or maybe, like I said, maybe Witt's yeah. allowing the, the offenses to do what they want to do until he's had enough. And it's just like, look, you got a talented back, get him the ball. Like right now, so through, I mean, I know it's just a three game, so it's a small sample, but Zach Moss right now is averaging over six yards a carry. And against Washington, I think he only had 12. Yeah. Yeah, that's Yeah, Gaskin's got 30 carries. Moss had 13, 12 or 13. Yeah. Um, well, the scary you, thing is Huntley's are the second leading rusher, in part probably because he got sacked like 20 times against NIU, but he's averaging 0.9 yards a carry. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, you guys are on the bye week. Um, I'm sure that Witt will have the boys running um, ladders <laughs> at practice. Suicides? Yeah. yeah. Football suicides, basketball ladders. Yeah, sure. This okay. year, if Utah wants to compete at all, they need to. They just need to reduce their turnovers. And I know that's just that broken record. Coach would speak about turnover margin, but right now they're averaging three t- three turnovers a game yeah, and averaging twenty one points. Even though their offense is putting up four hundred yards a game, yeah, and their defense again, th- three game sample. One of those being the hapless Weber State Wildcats, <laughs> but their Easy. defense is. On a three-game average is, is holding the opposing defense to 205 yards. Yeah. So. Just real quick to add to my trifecta of wins, it's now way more than three. Uh, Weaver State Wildcats did beat San Diego, or South Dakota Coyotes came in. Big matchup. Weaver won handily. They beat the Coyotes, huh? Yep. Coyotes traveled well, too. Packed house. That's really? good. Yeah. How many does that stadium hold? Uh, we looked it up. It's like it's less than you think. It's only like twenty four thousand or something like that. Twenty five thousand. Mm-hmm. So you could put Weber Stadium and the Ute Stadium inside Lavelle Edwards. I think so. Yeah, and that's, that's impressive. I could light. But they're it adding on. on. They're it's right really on. good for uh, um, Stadium of Fire. I think that's why they have it. <laughs> Thank there. you. Finally, Stu I, battles back. <laughs> uh, just the one more random gripe again about everything is how the hell does Utah State somehow managed to find these quarterbacks that just look so freaking good. It's crazy. Like, I watched this Love guy, and I'm like, I think that's the quarterback that Utah wishes they had. Yeah. It's yeah, insane. And, like, four years ago or whatever, Chucky Keaton. Like, Dude, the one year when Keaton got hurt and it was the game Taysom broke his leg, Utah State was on their third quarterback, that Myers kid. He came into Provo and was just throwing bombs. All over the field. Remember that? Yeah. Wasn't it Myers? Unfortunately, I do remember that. Like, the Utah State is quarterback factory. Like, their third stringers <laughs> Apparently. Are, are good. I don't know. Um, we'll keep an eye on the Utes. We'll keep an eye on Weber. Utah State looking good. Um, but there's only one team that's ranked in the state of Utah, and that's the <laughs> BYU Cougars. So, let's keep everything in perspective. Yeah, they um, earned it, though. I mean, you earned it. I, like, that's the thing. As a Ute fan, it's like, I, that, was a, that was a great win. I yeah, was jealous. Thank you. We appreciate that. Well Thank done. you. <clears throat> Thank you. That's, I mean, that's the only way you can come back from that, like, 40-6 to th- six loss the previous year or whatever yeah, that was. Bad. It was a revenge game. No. Um, let's move on. Thanks, Stu, for all the updates on the Utes. Um, that was good stuff. But we got picks to get through, mm-hmm. and I'm going to hammer them out real quick. So 
Uh, actually, Chase, let's start with our sportspicker.com pick of the week. Let's do it. Sportspicker.com. So sportspicker.com, no E in picker, S-P-O-R-T-S-P-I-C-K-R.com, pick of the week. Sportspicker. We've started out hot, Chase. We're 2-0. Last week we had the Chiefs Steelers over. Mahomes covered that in the first half by himself. He's a (laughs) sicko. Uh, It played out the way I thought. We got 80 points in that game. 52.5, that was just a non-sweat you were taking your ticket to the window in the third quarter mm-hmm. you were counting your money at halftime this week we are going to go with washington state the mike leeches the pirate travels down <laughs> travels down south to southern california um usc looks like they are trash yeah, they're struggling. Um, I actually really like that JT Daniels kid, and I think he's going to be really good, but he's young. He's making some mistakes. They went to Texas last week and got walloped. I just um, don't think Helton is Hollywood enough to manage the talent that they get on that team. You don't think he's tough enough? Like, he's not... I just I just think you have to have a big personality so that all the big personalities of these four- and five-star kids will actually understand, appreciate, and respect you. Yeah, I agree. I could see that. He's uh, he's going to be in for a battle this week against Washington State. Somehow Washington State, just like Utah State, grows these quarterbacks on trees. Uh, their quarterback this year, you guys, his name is his first name's Gardner, which I appreciate. Last name Minshew. He threw the ball fifty-seven <laughs> times last week. Uh, threw for four hundred seventy yards. He completed forty-five out of fifty-seven passes. They're going to air it out. They're, they're Dude, averaging that's, 50 that's points a game. That's season, season numbers. Yeah. <laughs> right there. What's impressive about Washington State to me is that they do have that prolific offense that's, I mean, it's either hit or miss, right? You either have those games where they're dropping 50 or you have the games where they struggle to get three points. But somehow through all of that, they've built a, a great defense. Yeah. Which is crazy considering how fast they can score, how fast they can go three and out. They mm-hmm. still have a defense that, that is able to compete. Yeah. I like this Washington State team. They're 3-0. and um, USC is actually going to be out with the first half of this game. They're going to be missing that stud linebacker, Porter Gustin. Targeting um, call. Yes, and Texas Texas put up a lot of points, and they have a quarterback that is very inaccurate. Um, I like him. That Ellen – what's his name? Ellen – Ellinger. Ellinger. Um, but he, he dropped 37 on USC. Their defense is a mess. Um that's not good when Washington State's coming to town. And Washington State's catching points. Might I add, they're getting three and a half in the business. We call that the hook, Chase. They can lose by a field goal and still cover. Chase just made a, a hook um, sign with his finger. The claw. So, you are afraid of the claw. Yes. Uh, that is the sportspicker.com pick of the week. I should mention sportspicker.com is where you want to go if you want to play um, fan, it's essentially a fantasy football or, or all sports sports book where you make picks against um, different P. Yes, against me. I'm in the league. I've been doing this for three years. Uh, you play head-to-head. You, you pick games against the spread against one other gentleman or lady. And nice. you book their action. They book your action. At the end of the week, you settle up sportspicker.com. <laughs> Thank you, Chase. We love it. So, 2-0. Uh, we're going to make that 
three and zero. That is a certified banger. You know it was not a banger. My picks last week. I'm gonna go over these for you. Niners minus six. Um, once again, we're gonna hold off the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame ceremony for Jimmy Garoppolo. That was a squeak. I apologize. Um, Niners were up 17 and looking like they're ready to blow the lines out of the water. Uh, Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia, excuse me, <laughs> Patricia. I like that. Yeah. Um, turned his hat around from backwards to frontwards, and uh, they had a little comeback. It's all business. Niners ended up um, winning, holding on, but it was a little scary. Only won by three. Probably should have won by ten easily, but had a chance to take it from 17 to 24 and didn't. Red zone offense is scaring me. Niners don't cover. Yeah, Chase, I have to add something because um, I don't think Matt Stafford has any kids because he always comes in the back door. (laughs) He's the king. Yeah. They were up 30 to 13. Stafford throws two late touchdowns, backdoor cover like I've never seen before, and uh, Niners win by three. Nice. I can't even talk. <laughs> Redskins, minus six. I have nothing to say about this game. This was the wrong side. I was completely on the wrong side. They didn't get any touchdowns. They kicked three field goals. Luck looks like he might be a problem. That's um, Oh, man, I'm just squeaking. So no backdoor, no no, whatever you want to call it. I just, that's a bad pick by me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it on the chin. Uh, the last one was the Giants, plus three. Did you guys watch the Sunday night game? Giants at I Cowboys. Did. It got weird at the end. Most boring game ever. Um, they're both bad teams, I feel like. Yeah. Like, we, like one of them had to win. Uh, the Cowboys came out on top, but it was 20 to 10 late. And I think this is what you're talking about. Yeah. The Giants had a, they had driven down um, at like the 30-yard line. They had an opportunity. They needed two scores because they're down 10. They could have thrown into the end zone. They did this somewhat smart thing and kicked the field goal, which then eliminated any cover there. Um, so they lost by seven instead of three. Not good. Not good. Not a good week, but you know um, what? We, we fall off the horse so that we can get back on. I think that's my first uh, blank, Chase. 0-3. Oh, um, next week, feel, this week feels like 3-0. and I'm going to get back on the horse. Hit us Shooters, shoot. Um, honestly, Chase, I'd rather Just follow take... Stafford through the back door <laughs> next week. I'd rather take the last shot and miss than pass to a teammate. So I'm going to keep going here. Uh <laughs> This week, I've got the Denver Broncos traveling to the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens blew out, which we now know is the worst team in the league, the Bills, in week one. I don't know how good they are. Jimmy Smith, their top cornerback, is still out. He's suspended the first four games of the of the year. I think Case Keenum can move the ball enough with those two really good receivers. And then they found a white running back that has a fro that is leading the league in rushing. Did you guys know that? Lindsey? Yes. He's a baller. He has the most rushing yards in the NFL right now. Picked him up on my fantasy team. There it is. Not that anybody anybody cares. (laughs) (laughs) They're catching five and a half points in Baltimore. That feels like a close game. Those teams seem similar to me. Um, I'm going to grab the points in that situation. The Seahawks go home. Um, They are favored by one and a half. This is going to be their home opener they actually the nfl rarely does this but they um had to go on the road for their first two games of the year so now they get to go home i think bobby wagner is going to come back um fluker their starting left tackle is coming back 
And so uh, I'm, and and they hung with a very very good Bears team. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and take the Seahawks at home, favored by one and a half over those Dallas Cowboys that are still on fade alert, folks. This Dallas Cowboys team is not good. The O line is beat up. Dak, show me something on the road here. Zeke will not be eating cereal, and. I'm going with the Seahawks as my second pick. Third and final pick, Chase. How can I how can I deny the Fitz magic any longer? You can't. The Steelers are a disaster. Antonio Brown didn't show up for practice today, folks. Le'Veon Bell's sitting on a couch smoking just bong rip after bong <laughs> rip. Um, their secondary <laughs> the secondary is a mess. Um, not good when Fitz Magic, Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans come to town. They don't, even, they don't even have to leave town because that game's in Tampa. Uh, they're underdogs at home. One and a half points I'm going to grab with the Tampa Bay Bucks. To recap, Seahawks minus one and a half. Bucks plus one and a half. Broncos plus five and a half. Stamp it. You know what, Stu? Stamped. That sounds like 3-0 and to me. It feels like 3-0. and Sounds like 3-0. and <laughs> Smells like 3-0. and <laughs> LFG. All right, guys, let's get to the food review. I am so glad we went to this place. Stu has been talking this place up ever since he moved to Utah County, and I thought, well, the water's getting to him. Here we go. But we went ahead and did a food review at Chubby's. Yes. Chubby's. I don't know if there's any other names, but it's just Chubby's next to Ace Hardware. I said Chubby's something grill or something. I don't know. Yeah. Barbecue and you grill. You Google Chubby's, you'll find it. Chubby's with a though. Y. Yeah. So we we did the jerky thing and made Chase drive from Ogden all the way out <laughs> to American Fork. Yeah, it's um, farther than I thought. It Not is. Fun. It's pretty far. It's Chubby's Cafe. Chubby's you, Cafe. But after eating there, you would make the trek again, right? Yeah. I wanted, I, in Saratoga. I wanted to, like, I finished my meal, which was a burger, a shake, and fries, and I wanted to go order again. I was ready again. Yeah. I was, it was so freaking good. Should yeah. we talk about... And I made myself sick. What we all ordered? Yeah. Because I think uh, Stu's actually found some hidden gems on the menu. I went so with... So Stu's... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I went... It's tough. They have a uh, like a classic American burger, which is just like um, cheddar cheese and then like pickles, onions, tomato, ketchup, which I... I love just a classic burger. They also have the Utah burger, which which caught my eye. That has fry sauce on it. You put fry sauce on a burger or white sauce. Um, I put fry sauce on my burger regardless. Yes, it's so it's so key. Um, But actually, what I ended up going with was the jalapeno burger, jalapeno ranch burger. It was really good. It was a nine and a half out of ten. Um, they got that nice toasted bun on there. Is it that egg bun? Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Really good meat. Uh, this place was packed. We waited in line out the door for a half hour. That's how you know it's good, folks. Yep. It is, yeah. I So I remember many moons ago when I was working at 1-800-CONTACTS, there's a very interesting fellow by the name of Tyler Barrick who <laughs> is a foodie. And I actually, I, after working with him for a while, I came to appreciate and respect his opinion on food because he never steered, a, steered me wrong. Mm-hmm. But me and my uh, buddy, the Thirst, Jason Childs, were sitting there talking about good burger places, and he was talking up this place called the Purple Turtle, which to me sounded (laughs) 
slightly pornographic. Um, is that is that it's a pleasant PG? <laughs> <laughs> I've been there multiple times. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. So I've heard it, I've heard the purple turtle is pretty good, and it's one of those places that's been there forever. I guess it's kind of a staple, right, in the community. So as we're talking about organizing a work lunch to drive our butts out to Pleasant Grove to go to the Purple Turtle, Tyler Barrett comes walking by and he's like, why would I go to the Purple Turtle and I could drive a block down the road and go to Chubby's where that has much better food? So that I was like, what? So I looked it up and the pictures of Chubby's um, burgers were amazing. Anyway. Make sure you put burger after Chubby's if you're going to hit Google image search. You don't want to just go just Chubby's. Or yeah. just go to Yelp. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Safe. <laughs> anyway, so um, we never ended up making it out for work lunch, but once I started working at, at Vivint over in Linden, they were like, oh, we need to take you out to lunch for like your first day here or whatever. So I'm like, oh, I think we got to go to Chubby's so I can partake of the fruit. And we went there, and I was not disappointed. I lived up to the expectations. So I went back, not as many times as I could like, obviously, I could have gone there every day, twice a day if I wanted to. <laughs> um, went back pretty frequently, tried out all of their burgers, most, n- not all, most. Every single one was good, and I think, like, really good in their own right. Mm-hmm. You know, they all have different, kind of different flavors. And then I went to lunch with one of my friends who I don't necessarily trust his taste buds because he doesn't like sauce and doesn't like all sorts of things. But he, uh. but he got the chicken sandwich, and I'm like, you got the chicken sandwich with, like, no sauce on it. Right? It's just like a ch- fried chicken breast with cheese. And I was like, that sounds disgusting. But when I saw the sandwich and saw the quality of that fried, like that hand-battered fried breast, mm. I was like, okay, that, that thing actually looks pretty good. I'm going to try it, but like a normal person with sauce and stuff. So that's the if thing I, know I was you, joking I, about. I know you appreciate a nice hand-battered breast. Yeah. It's Especially the only way to batter a breast, really. <laughs> um that's why I always joke about with Chase. I'm always like, yeah, I, I, I went to Chubby's for the for the burgers and stayed for the chicken sandwiches. But they look good. Either way, moral of the story is everything's good. They've got shakes. They've got stuff. So when I went, I went on Stu's recommendation, and I actually got a chicken sandwich the first time against my better judgment. And I got the barbecue chicken sandwich, and holy crap. Or Southern, it's called the Southern, Southern Crispy Barbecue. Yeah. It has pepper jack, coleslaw, pickle, and barbecue sauce. Oh, man. It's money. So then we went back for the food review. I got the barbecue burger on the flip side. Kind of the same thing. Pepper jack, barbecue sauce, grilled onion, coleslaw, and pickles. Except a patty. Way different, but also both very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have money sides, beer battered fries. I ended up getting a brownie shake. Oh, just easily 2,500 calories and worth every single yes. one of them. Yeah. So good. I definitely um, recommend it, though. So they've got three, I think, locations now. There's the one, that one, Pleasant Grove, which I think is the original. They eat have one in Saratoga Springs, I think, that just opened up, and then there's another one coming to, like, Vineyard, Vineyard or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, I would say six thumbs up at this table for Chubbies. I agree. I've got a Chubby. <laughs> Thinking about it, I need to go. Um, all right, guys, let's wrap it up. Um, anything we, else you need to add before we get on the road here? Just um, that... BYU is the only team in the state that is currently ranked. And no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, it's good I, to know. <laughs> it's been so long. It has. It has. After some back-to-back losing seasons. I, I hope. <laughs> I hope that's that's fair. I hope uh, everyone is just not hating me for this. But I can't. I know I can only do it for about one week. 
And so yeah. um, we, too. we probably I mean, we gonna, should get by McNeese. I and think then they're going to drop gonna, like 50 points on McNeese. Yeah. You might see Tanner throw the ball again. Tanner might break the century mark on yards. And then we're going up to Washington, and who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, download the episode, subscribe on iTunes, listen on Anchor, listen wherever you get your podcasts. We are everywhere. Spotify, too. Spotify. Which is money. Yep, everywhere. Um, follow us on Twitter at Salt City Sports Podcast. Send us an email. We don't care. We, do what you want. SaltCityPodcast at gmail.com. Follow Clay. At potato sack seven. Follow Stu. I'm at Utah Stu. And follow me at Chase underscore A underscore Saris. Also, follow our uh, Instagram. That's right. At Salt City Sports Podcast. There's some pretty hilarious um, sports memes and maybe some inside look at the uh, episodes. Mm-hmm. Hit the also, follow button. Uh, Clint oh. Jones, Utah State sucks. Don't yeah. talk trash to me again. <laughs> Quite a Twitter battle. We witnessed. I love it. All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in. Tell a friend we love you. We don't. See you next week.